Hello friends, and welcome back to Mixology, the podcast where we discuss, discover and dissect mono and stereo differences on classic albums from the 60s. And today, we're taking a trip to the middle of 1966 with our second look at The Birds, this time looking at their third LP release and their first Dylan-free one, Fifth Dimension. Now, this album, much like Younger Than Yesterday, was subject to a remix in the 90s. But, unlike Younger Than Yesterday, we're not sure whether it was the whole album that was remixed or just some tracks. Today, I'll be comparing the original mono mix, the 1966 stereo mix as sourced from the 1989 CD release on Columbia, and the 90s stereo mixes. I say 90s overall because there was a few tracks remixed in 1990 for The Birds box set, which we'll get to as we go through, and these are definitely different remixes. And then there's the remixes present on the 1996 CD. Now, as I've said, some tracks have longer fades or maybe slight differences that give away that these are remixes, but a lot of the tracks do match up very perfectly. But the sonic quality of the mixes seems above and beyond the versions I have on the 1989 CD. I've read that the BGO is a better source for some of these tracks, so potentially it's just that a better source was found. But I'm going to err on the side of caution and say that these may be remixes as well. And we'll be comparing both these releases of the stereo tracks as we go through. So, without any further ado, let's kick right in, shall we, with the opening cut and title track, 5D, in brackets, Fifth Dimension. Recorded on the 25th of May, 1966, this track has three stereo mixes we'll be looking at. And the 1966 and the 1996 do appear to be the same, though again I'm erring on the side of caution by including both, as it appears to be from a far superior source. The 1990 box set mix, on the other hand, minorly narrows the stereo field and also appears to slightly adjust the vocal balance, especially with a reduced use of compression, meaning the harmony-laden verse and the following Whoa by McGuinn are far louder in the mix. The drums also appear louder in the 1990, but this could be due to EQ. By comparison, the mono brings the vocal into the mix a little bit, which is consistent with the rest of the album, but seemingly increases the punch of the drums at the cost of a reduced abundance of cymbal presence. We'll start with the mono, into stereo, the 1996, and then the 1990. Stereo. And as I continued to drop through the hole, I found all surrounding to show me that joy innocently is just be quiet and feel it around you. 1990. Nineteen ninety. 
And to all intents and purposes, all the fades end at the same time. But the 1990 starts later, meaning the volume drop is less gradual. We'll play the whole fade, first in the original stereo mix, and then again in the 1990. and again in the 1990. Track 2 is the traditional cover, Wild Mountain Time, and one of my favourite tracks here, recorded on the same day as 5D on the 25th of May 1966. Again, the 89 and 96 are very similar, and we're going to assume that they're likely the same mix, but again, play both. The stereo on this track is one of the more deficient of the album overall I'd say, with the whole band track being buried in the left hand channel, the strings and then Leighton McGuinn's 12 string overdub appearing in the right hand channel on their own, and all the vocals in the central channel. This means that the mono definitely feels like a more cohesive mix, with the stereo having the vocals way out front and somewhat naked by comparison, though there's certainly points in the stereo that do shine very brightly. We'll start with the mono and move into the stereo and then a little bit of the 96. Into stereo. All across the purple heather. All across the purple heather Will you go last At the end of the track, the mono has a gentle fade right at the end, while the stereo ends much colder with a slightly longer burst of the final strings. Naturally, we'll play both, starting with the more familiar to the listener stereo mix and then again in the mono. And again in mono.
Track 3 is Mr. Spaceman. This was recorded on the 29th of April 1966. And again, the 89 and 96 are likely the same mix, but we'll play both for posterity. The stereo and mono mixes themselves are extremely close once again, with the stereo certainly making things a lot clearer as far as individual elements go, but the impact of the mixes definitely remains the same. The 1990, on the other hand, adds reverb to the lead vocal, well, additional reverb, and boosts the part in the mix, and slightly narrows the channels once again. This leaves a weirdly imbalanced sound to me compared with the original mixes. We'll start with the mono, move to the stereo and then the 96, and then the 1990. Woke up this morning with light in my eyes And then realized it was still dark outside It was a light coming down from the sky I don't know who or why Into stereo? Must be those strangers that come every night Those saucer-shaped lights put people up tight 96 Leave blue-green footprints that glow in the dark I hope they get home all right Hey, Mr. Spaceman Won't you please take me along I won't do anything wrong 1990 Hey, Mr. Spaceman won't you please take me along for a ride? Woke up this morning, I was feeling quite weird. Had flies in my beard, my toothpaste was smeared. Over my window, they'd written. One of the coolest tracks here, in my opinion, comes up next, and that is I See You. Recorded on the 19th of May 1966, this is a McGuinn Crosby composition, and here the 96 is definitely a new mix due to the elongated fade, but overall again it's very close, sounds the crunchy sound of the original mix, and moves the lead guitar fully central rather than slightly right. The big difference comes with the 1990 mix, which again slightly moves the channels inwards, but brings the lead guitar, mainly panned around central, down in the mix, and tames the sound overall, making it more open sounding, but definitely less chaotic. The mono dominates all these by having a wall of noise that really brings the song together in my opinion, along with a little extra compression and further raising in McGuinn's 12 string for good measure. The definitive mix of the track in my opinion. We'll start with the mono, move to the stereo, the 96, and then the 1990. Ninety. 
And at the end, the mono has the shortest fade, followed by the stereo, the 1990, and then the 96. Naturally, we'll move through them all in that order. Stereo, 90, 96. After sharing a writing credit with McGuinn, Crosby gets to stand out all on his own next with What's Happening, recorded on the 29th of April, 1966, the same date as Mr. Spaceman. Now here, the 96 is again definitely a new mix due to a longer fade, but again, overall, the actual mix itself is very close to the original. There is more definitive panning though, with the left and the right feeling a little further outward, but this could be the quality of the transfer for the 1989 mix, rather than a difference in the mix itself. The mono, by comparison again, brings the vocal into the mix slightly and just gives the mix a more congested sound, which changes it from the idea of thoughts kind of swirling around the listener's head and makes it more thoughts are overwhelming my head, and to me, both suit the track in different ways, and both work very well in my opinion. We'll start with the mono, move to the stereo, and then the 96. I don't know who you think you are. I don't know what you're stereo I don't know what's going on here. I don't know how it's supposed to be I, I don't have the biggest notion Whose it is or what it's all
and getting to the fade we have the stereo first then the mono and then the 96 so naturally we'll start with the stereo Mono, 96. Closing out side one is the rather macabre track, I Come and Stand at Every Door, recorded on the 16th of May, 1966. Now, this is a track with two issues of the stereo that sound very close. There's a tiny bit extra on the fade on the 1996 issue. This could, however, be due to a mastering difference rather than a mixing one. The mono, much like before, is more congested, focusing on the 12 string over the vocals, leaving the stereo, in my opinion, to be a far more haunting mix by comparison, though potentially the mono is a slightly more horrific one. We'll start with the mono, move to stereo, and the 96. They come and stand. Into stereo. I knock and yet remain unseen. For I am dead. For I am dead. Ninety six. I'm only seven. And as mentioned, while the mono and the stereo fade at the same time, the 1996 seems to have a tiny bit more. We'll start with the mono here and move to the 96. Flipping the LP over, we get the fantastic psychedelic masterpiece, Eight Miles High, recorded in this version on the 25th of January, 1966, though this was not the first recorded version. This, for me, is one where the stereo really reaches its peak, with a panning that helps highlight McGuinn's obscene 12-string playing, but also Michael Clark's drums really get the spotlight over in the right-hand channel, and they're balanced at just the right point. Interestingly, the 1989 CD with the 1966 stereo mix features less tape hiss, while the 1996 CD, potentially a remix, it's hard to tell, has a high-pitched sounding hiss, especially over the intro. I'm not sure if no noise was used here, especially in 1989, but it's a possible sign of a remix. Let's hear it first in the original stereo mix, and then again in the remix. And again in the remix. Mm -hmm. 
As for the body of the track, the drums feel far more prominent in the 1966 or the 89 CD issue if you're following, but this could also be due to EQ and the crunchy tape sounds benefiting them somewhat. The mono, by comparison to these mixes, has all the usual traits we've established, slightly receding the drums here and giving McGuinn's 12 string the spotlight. It's a punchy sound, but perhaps the stereo can take the cake here. We'll move through all three mixes now, naturally starting with the mono. Signs in the street that say where you're going are somewhere just being there. Into stereo. And at the end of the track, the mono has a longer decay, with a final drum fill for good measure. We'll start with the stereo and move to the mono. Mono. Side 2 continues on with David Crosby treating us to his rendition of Hey Joe, Where You Gonna Go, recorded on May 17th. Now, we're treated to a mono, 1966 stereo, 1996 stereo, and 1990 stereo mix for this track, so we have plenty to dig into. The differences do start right off the bat, however, as there is an echo that's been printed on Crosby's vocal on the multi-track, very evidently, as it's there in all mixes. But the original two mixes appear to have a reverb-type echo on this as well, which is missing in both the remixes. We'll hear the start of the track, first in the original stereo and then again in the 1996, just to compare this idea of the effect. As I said, the stereo matches the mono and the 96 matches the 90. Hey, Joe, where are you going with that money in your hand? And again in the remix. Hey, Joe, where are you going with that money? As for the body of the track, the 1990 and the 96 are very sonically close. It's even possible that they actually use the same remix, so the fades are different, but the 90 is longer. This slightly dries up Cross's vocal and brings it out a little more in the mix, whereas the stereo and the mono mixes from 66 seem to bring Cross into the mix a bit more and boost the overall energy, and the mono really brings out the 12 string more than any other mix in my opinion. We'll start with the mono, move to the stereo, the 1990 and then the 96. Stereo. Hey Joe, where are you gonna go? Ah, uh, hey Joe, where are you gonna go? 1990. I guess I go to my favorite Mexico. I guess I go down where 
As for the fate of the track, the stereo ends off first, then the mono, the 96 gives us just a touch more, and then the 1990 gets the full cold ending. Naturally, we'll start with the stereo. Mono. 96. 1990. After that slightly bizarre cover, we get an instrumental, interestingly, called Captain Soul, recorded the very next day on the 18th of May. Now, for this track, we are offered up a 1996 remix, and this instrumental offering generally has some basic differences between the three mixes just due to the very nature of, well, mixing instrumental, I guess. The stereo mixes being relatively close, I think a slight difference in McGuinn's balancing on his lead guitar, but the mono offers up the biggest difference by reducing that lead 12 string in the mix and boosting the harmonica right up. Thus, the mono feels much more like a down and dirty instrumental, while the stereo is a bit more musicians jamming around you in the room. I personally prefer the mono, but the stereo also has its place. We'll start with the mono, move to the stereo, and then the 96. Into stereo. Into the 96. And as for the fades, the stereo ends first, then a tiny bit more in the mono, and then a whole lot more on the remix, giving us a much longer ending. We'll start with the stereo. Mono. 96. Second to last track on the album is John Riley, recorded on the 25th of May 1966. Now this is another track where the 96 sounds the same as the 66, but it seems a little more centralised well, vocally in my opinion, and the strings may be a touch more definite. Again, this is potentially just a better transfer, but I'm not ruling out a remix here. 
1990 mix, on the other hand, again, brings the channel's inner touch and boosts the vocals a hair. As for the mono, this track, much like Wild Mountain Time, in stereo has the instruments left, the vocals centralised and the strings for the brief time they appear over in the right-hand channel, meaning that overall it's a pretty imbalanced mix and leaves the vocals sound particularly naked when there's nothing going on in the right channel. The mono, on the other hand, makes this feel far more cohesive and it also recedes the vocals just that little bit, which I think works really well. We'll start with the mono, move to the stereo, the 96, and then the 1990. Stereo. 96. Our last track on the album is 242 Foxtrot, in brackets, the Learjet song. Recorded on the 3rd of May 1966, this seemingly throwaway closing track was probably a bit more of an intentional experiment by McGuinn and Crosby rather than the throwaway that we expect, though certainly to listen today it feels far more like filler. Again, we're seemingly treated to another 1996 stereo mix here, with the tracks again mainly gaining clarity in the new mix above all else. The mono, again, has all the usual traits punchier, with the vocals a little more mixed into the track than in the stereo. We'll start with the mono, move to stereo, and then the 96. Into stereo. As for the fate of the track, the 1996 has a slightly longer tail than the 1966, but the mono is balanced differently, with the band fading out before the Learjet track ends, which then continues at full volume until the last moment. We'll play the 1966 stereo into the 1996 stereo, and then we'll play it again in mono. And again in mono. Ninety-six. 
And with that, we complete our look at Fifth Dimension by the Birds from 1966. I know I've expressed some of my opinions about the mixes here, but what did you think? I'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to me at backtomonoradio at gmail.com or on Instagram by finding me under hypnoticfred. I always love hearing from you guys, and certainly doing some birds material is something that had been suggested by some listeners, and I'd love to hear more of your suggestions, especially if you want to head on over to the Patreon, where supporters of the show can not only get loads of extra content, but also graduate tier patrons have the power to select any episode that they want of Mixology, and thus I have to create it. So check that out if you so desire. This Sunday, of course, will be another episode of Mixology on 45, but at this time, I'm still yet to decide which non-album tracks I'm going to run through. So hopefully there's some tasty ones that you can find out over there. And at the moment, I'm scanning over some Birds non-LP tracks to check out what mixes mono and stereo exist. So maybe there'll be some more Birdsy goodness over there for you to dig into. Of course, the link to the Patreon is down in the show notes below. And I want to give a huge shout out to all my patrons whose support really does help keep the show going and I really could not do it without you guys. So again, thank you so, so much. But with all that out of the way though, not much else to say is there. I just want to say to all my listeners, of course, thank you so, so much for listening to the show. And remember, whoever you are and wherever you are, Have a great, great day.